Lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we have Nicole Cure with us, and Nicole is a friend of one of our previous guests, Katya. And we love Katya. She was a great interview. Um, I don't know, probably about 10 episodes back. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to hers, you want to do that. But um, yeah, we were introduced to her through Katya, who is Chantil's sister-in-law. So yeah, we've been just really excited to talk to Nicole. She's an artist and has a great story. So Chantil's going to read her bio. Yeah. So welcome, Nicole. Yes, welcome. We're we're excited to talk to you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Um, So Nicole is a Colombian-American artist and hearing health advocate based in Miami, Florida. After after being diagnosed with unilateral sudden sensory neural hearing loss, or SSHL, and Meniere's disease in 2017, she was inspired to use her art and voice to spread awareness about hearing loss and vestibular inner ear-related health conditions. Nicole's mixed-media painting technique allows her to create expressive, fluid, abstract works with intricate shapes, texture, and movement. In addition, she is constantly exploring the duality of emotions and sensations represented by how she interchanges color palettes from collection to collection, altering from very bright and energetic colors to serene neutral palettes, contrasting a wide range of moods, sounds, and visual cues. Nicole creates delicate yet energetic pieces that (laughs) irradiate serenity and joy, bringing a sense of calm to the viewer. She often calls her paintings lullabies for the soul. And I will attest that your paintings are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, thank you. That's so fun. At your Instagram page, at all the beautiful art that you create. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm assuming that's the... nice to hear that. I always love hearing the feedback of what emotions you get from looking at the paintings. So, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, and I'm assuming it's, the opinion different from the viewer, yes, than from the person who creates that, right? Right. Yeah. So I assume the one behind you, you painted. Yes, beautiful. That's a painting in progress, actually. Um, but I don't have space at home where to put them in the studio across the street and here, so I keep rotating them. Oh, but yeah, I love that one. Really That's so beautiful. pretty. Thank yeah, you. it's a lot of sound waves. I like I said, my my husband does production, sound writing, and. I mean that's part of the story. Maybe I don't want to fast forward, <laughs> but it has to do with some 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 day that we were looking at sound together, and I got the idea of starting this type of painting. Oh, oh that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yes. so we're gonna talk about a couple of transitions um, that you've had, and um, maybe you want to start with um, just even you said it looks like you grew up in um, Barranquilla, Colombia. So that's is that? Mm-hmm. Did you know Katia from way back then? So when you yeah, were from school from like elementary school. Oh, really? That's, awesome. yes. that's so cool. Yes, I know Katia. Um, we went to the same, uh, you know, I know I, I listened to the podcast with her. So I know she mentioned like we went to a Catholic school mm-hmm. and it was, you know, all girls, um, you know, very good school in Colombia. You know, it's typically you don't go to public schools. They're not that great. So you kind of have to go to private school and you got to be kind of like, what type of education I guess your parents want to give you. I mean, usually in, in South America, it's very Catholic. 
Um, so uh, for girls, usually that's kind of like the go-to. And, you know, I met Katia there, but um, we, we usually were changed. Um, sometimes you started in a classroom and then you were moved to another classroom. So we were, so we became closer uh, mostly at the end, like by high school. And, you know, when you come to Miami, when you come to another country, you kind of try to stick together mm-hmm. and like talk to people, even if it's through Facebook and things like that. Uh, but yes, I, I, I was born in Colombia, in, in Barranquilla, and moved to the United States when I was 17. Yeah, when I was 17, with my family, parents, um, my brother. You know. Oh, you're oh, okay. there. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. nice. Yeah. yeah. I Maybe tell us a little bit about that. You're growing up in Colombia, and then yeah. the move. Yes, like the- um, it was, yeah, it was a very happy childhood. Um, I always have great memories because I come from a very, like, a huge family. Um, my family, my grandfather is Lebanese, so they immigrated to the to Colombia, you know, in the 30s. And, you know, a lot of Lebanese families, a lot of Italian families. There's, like, a very big mix in Barranquilla, in the coast, and all over, you know, all over Colombia, but mostly in Barranquilla because it's a port, it's by the sea. So a lot of ships came in from different countries. And it's a very multicultural city, just like Miami. So kind of fits in. Mm-hmm. And I have many, many cousins. So my, my childhood was amazing. I was always playing with my cousins. We had, you know, rollerblading and going to each other's houses and drawing and doing activities together. So it was, I love it. I have so many amazing memories. And one of my best memories is watching my dad painting because my dad is an architect and a painter. And my mom is a fashion designer and a textile designer. So I grew up surrounded by art. Mm, And I never really knew when it started for me. I think it was just like natural. I would see them always creating. And they they saw that I had... um, you know, always like a vision. I always wanted to play with the with the different things that my dad had in the studio. He had pastels and charcoal. So I'm so thankful that he saw that and he he embraced it and gave me the opportunity to create. So uh, one of my memories is he was in in the studio painting all, big old uh, old paintings, and I was in the back like kind of watching him and trying to replicate the same thing. Awesome. But of course, I was five, six years old, you know, mm-hmm. and he would just try to, you know, like very nicely teach me like how to hold uh, the brush and things like that. And and I always ask for things that are, that were art related or, or even music related. Like I played the piano uh, briefly when I was little. So they were very nice at embracing our talents. Uh, my brother and I, when we had my, my brother also draws very well. So, you know, it was very nice and I have great memories until the time that, you know, we had family here in the United States and my dad wanted to, you know, have us get a, you know, higher education in, you know, colleges here. And we both went to college, my brother and I here. So he just was looking for something else. And the possibilities here are endless. You know, obviously you can explore so many careers that in in Colombia we didn't have. So it, it was nice. At the beginning, actually, I wanted, I started computer animation. I wanted oh, to be a computer animator and work in Pixar. Mm. That's what I wanted mm, to do. Yeah. I wanted to create animation and characters. And, and I still love it. I still, when I watch the movies, I, I wonder, like, They've what would that, have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the reality was I, I wasn't a citizen yet. So it was very expensive for me to attend college mm. in a private school for animation in San Francisco or in another city was private universities. 
that only teach you that. And, you know, at the moment I, I had to make a choice and and I went into advertising because it was also a creative career, but always kept my artistic practice like on the side, but it was mostly never on the side. I was always <laughs> creating, painting, showing. So I always said that it wasn't it was never a hobby. It was like my career also on the sidelines. And and now I'm actually fulfilling that dream and, and you know, just doing art also for a living and showing my work and and after several things that happened in my life I've, I've, I knew that was my call that to be an artist because before I knew I, I just liked how to draw you know draw and painting but I never knew what was the purpose and now I see that my art actually is the tool to support the causes I believe in and to do and, and communicate sometimes where I cannot communicate through words um, I use art to really get those emotions out and those of the people who actually I've met through my journey through hearing loss. So mm, that's, awesome. that's an important part of me. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So did you, were you on board to move to America? Were you, was your family sure let's go or were you a little apprehensive? Or? Um, it was kind of mixed feelings because I, I have family here in, in Georgia and in New York. And so it was kind of like, oh, it's cool to explore mm-hmm. that possibility. But I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of friends in, in yeah, my cousins in Colombia. Me. So yeah. at the beginning, it was a little traumatic because I had like my type of, you know, my the people I see every week. And, you know, it was a smaller town. So um, coming here was a little daunting at the beginning, trying to see like, what am I going to do with my life? I'm 17. Where should I go to school? It's kind of like starting, like being born again, starting Mm -hmm. all over, making new friends. Um, You go through so many emotions. And that's why, again, art was my go-to because I didn't have any new friends here. I knew a couple of people, but it wasn't like now that there's more of an influx of immigrants. But like at that point, I mean, in the 2000s, there were a lot of people moving, but I just, you know, I think I was in a, in a moment where as a teenager transitioning into adulthood, I didn't know what I wanted to pursue as a career, if it was going to be art or something else, helping my parents as well to navigate a new country. Um, my dad doesn't speak English very well, so like helping him with taking that role of being kind of like the person who's taking control of the house in a way while helping him because he had his own career over there came here for a project too but he wasn't really speaking English um so I had to serve as a translator and help out and many things that are more like you think they're later in your life that you're gonna have to deal with that like buying a house doing things you know um and yeah and in a different country different rules Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. you know like regulations when you're reading a contract like new language so it was very, a little scary, but I've always been, um, like, willing to, 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 to learn and to see, like, what, it's an adventure, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, like, put myself in a vulnerable position and, and learn from that, so I think I've always been a little bit of an overachiever, mm-hmm. and I like trying to do more and learn more, and, and that has helped me, you know, succeed in certain things yeah. that I've that I've had as as goals and and some others that I couldn't, you know, I've learned biggest lessons and and helped my family through it. So, so I think that's life, a, a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm sure because it sounds like you moved, but you didn't go into high school. You're already done with schooling, and I feel like 
maybe if you would have hopped into high school, you could have met more kids in that yeah. setting, but you were already, I mean, just right on that, you know, you're it's still a teenager technically, but an adult too. So that would be kind of a tricky time to move where you're hopping yeah. into adulthood. You're helping your parents with everything that involves moving into a new country, but it sounds like you did amazing with it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It was hard at the beginning. I you know, took a lot of temporary jobs while I was going to college and I couldn't fit in at the beginning. I didn't understand the dynamics yeah. coming from a school where you're always going to the class with the same people, like same people in your classroom, all girls, you know. And then, I mean, I did do, I'm sorry, I did do a one semester of college in Barranquilla in okay. Colombia. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm finally in college and meeting all these people. And, you know, it's different now. I can't wear, I don't have to wear a uniform. now. Yeah. I can wear my jeans to go to college and like be like free and normal. And then this opportunity presented and I also understood it was good for my family. So mm. it's sometimes you have to kind of put your feelings on the side and know like what's best for the whole family, of course. And it was a family decision. And we just, you know, we're here now. We're happy. I mean, I've been living here more than what I've lived in Colombia wow, already, yeah. like more than half of my life. So yeah, um, I'm grateful for all the opportunities and all the people I've met. And and I always go back to, to visit family. So I don't feel so detached. Yeah, and it's pretty close. I, it's great. That's, I think that's why. Yes, two hours. It's only two hours and something. But but at the, at the first 10 years, I, you know, I was still waiting for, you know, my residency to become a citizen. And, and I couldn't go back as, as much. So I, was, I felt a little lonely in that process. But I think that's, you know, how life is. And then now you have the opportunity and it's it's nicer to know that you can buy a ticket and go and see your family yeah. your yeah your cousins uncles and so forth yeah, yeah. Well, what a cool awesome. experience to go and to be able to have two different cultures in your life two different languages two different spots that you live because i'm sure you learned so much that way yeah and yes and yes. so it sounds it's like you a, knew english yeah before you came but i'm sure that that even became uh, yeah i i knew english but it was um very basic like they don't really put you in situations i didn't go to a bilingual school in, in colombia there's a lot of bilingual schools but i didn't i didn't go to one but i always like languages i speak a little bit of portuguese too mm. and um I, I think it was just like survival mode like started working and going to college and i had to like figure it yeah. out yeah. and i was like oh my god no I to participate yeah. in yeah. class so did you I start was very shy oh i was very shy and i was not this person oh. <laughs> 20 years ago. yeah well and i'm sure like being thrown into a new culture that just that would be intimidating you know no matter what so um i was just curious so did you start into it says you went to the university of florida in your bio it, how soon did you start into college after you moved here so, so I arrived here in um, two, the 2000s and the 2000, yeah, November 2000. And I started college by just um, English lessons. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go into intermediate and advanced because I knew like if I wanted to go to college, I had to take mm -hmm. statistics, economics, all these classes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to freak out like <laughs> having to take all these classes in English and hard. having yeah. to write papers. Yeah. So it was also a requirement because, you know, they give you an exam to see where you are in your English. So I think I took like a year or about eight months to, to go to lessons, you know, like to advance um, English lessons and things like that. But the first two years of college, like 2001 to 2003, I was... 
I mean, it was challenging. I would like when when the teachers would ask me to participate in class, I would turn all red and freak out. I was like, "Oh my god, everything I'm gonna say is gonna be completely wrong. Like this is not even like the way I feel like I could express myself." So I was I was not having a great time. But I, I believe it or not, I was that kind of student that would stay after class and talk to the teacher and tell them the truth and be like, "I'm I'm not from here. I'm trying my best." Can you give me extra assignments or can you meet with me and explain how, how would I do this better? So I was like pretty much the nerd in that sense <laughs> because I had to. But that taught me, that gave me more courage to to talk to teachers, explain the situation. They understood me and they appreciated me like trying to like get better. And, and I would, you know, take the extra credit and things like that. And little by little, and I couldn't believe when I got, that was here in Miami, in, in Miami Day College. And then... When I transitioned into UF, it's because it was kind of my second option. First, I wanted to go to San Francisco to, to study computer animation, and I couldn't get it done. Um, so my, my second choice was the University of Florida, but they're very um, strict with many things, you know. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get in, but I'm going to apply. I'm going to try. I had good grades, um, and but I didn't know, you know, if it was going to be possible, and and when I got in, I actually, I, I got rejected first. And, and I said, um, because there were, there were too many students in advertising for that year. And I drove to Gainesville, like five hours from here. <laughs> I went with my parents and I said to the dean, what do I have to do to get in? Like, please tell me, give me anything okay. that I have to do to get in. And he started laughing. He's like, you drove from Miami five hours to tell me that? Why didn't you send me an email? <laughs> I'm like, well, I just wanted to see the campus. I wanted to, I want you to tell you I'm serious about this. I'm an immigrant. I'm like, you know, and then he was, I think he was moved that I came to, with my parents and all that. And he gave me some assignments for the summer. He asked me to do, to go back to college and take some other credits to, to raise my profile, you know, for what they were looking for. And, and then I, he said, well, if you get an A in these three classes during the summers, FedEx me your grades mm -hmm. and you're in. Oh, wow. And I did that. Oh. And I, I FedExed him my records and he's like, okay, well, you're in. Welcome to University of Florida. Oh, wow. And That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. And I went to college there. So it was a pretty cool experience. Wow. Yeah, living on campus. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's super impressive. <laughs> yeah. I love that you put yourself out like that. It takes like a brave, like you said, that took a lot of courage to do that. But, and he said well, why didn't you just send an email? But if you would have just sent an email, that might not have caught his attention like you going in. So I love that. Would have, yeah. yeah, I would have gotten lost or yeah. the secretary would have probably exactly. scanned For sure. and said, oh, another person who wants. And I didn't know. I could have not. I could have gone there and be like, well, he's not available. Right. <laughs> or that's, you know, but I'm super thankful that it, it, I think it was part of my life, right? Everything that happens to you has a reason. Getting away uh, from my parents at that the beginning of my adult life was also important in a different country. It gave me so many tools. Um, also forced me to be uh, more out there because I was super shy and I was fi finding it very challenging. So I had to go there and do my thing. And, and then I was back. I was like, okay, I did that. Great. Yeah. You know, I'm back in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. So you lived there university of florida away from your family and so yeah that yes, was probably for like about two years and a half oh mm -hmm. wow okay yeah that's really cool yeah that's awesome yeah and it's just even just the language barrier itself like i feel like like you were saying you could learn english but if you put yourself all of a sudden in a statistics class 
there's all these new words. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. You know, so it's impressive that you kept working on your English and then you were able to. Um... Yeah. Also, I'm not a math person. Let me just say that. <laughs> Obviously, I like literature and philosophy yeah, and, and social studies yeah. and history. But when they they put you in a situation where you have to talk about economics and in English and it's like, wow, this is a nightmare. I would get like, I couldn't sleep the night before yeah. and it was like so overwhelming, but yeah, it kind of teaches you how to navigate challenges in life because sometimes you get a diagnosis, which is what happened to me. And you're like shocked mm-hmm. and you're like, nothing prepares you for like something that is completely unexpected. And what do you do with that? Like it's, and then it also, like, I think my college years and also being, like, out there and trying to get the answers on my own helped me how to, like, now I do a lot of research for my condition and I, I do advocacy. And I think that that those years taught me to be like, you know what, if it, you're not going to do it, like, you have to do it for yourself. Like, nobody's going to do it for you. And taught me that I just need to. If I want something, I need to go get out there or say it. Sometimes people want something and they don't say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're looking for a job somewhere, say it, right? Like, hey, guys, I, I'm an employee looking for a job. Like, let me know. Like sometimes people think it's going to come to you. But if you don't put yourself out there, nothing's it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, that's so, so true. You got to grab the opportunity. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's like I've been trying to teach my kids lately. I have two teenagers. They're young teenagers. But I say like, you have to be the advocate for yourself because no one else is going to like in your situation, like speaking, staying after class and talking to your professors to get that little bit of extra help. Like those are the things and the, you know, the, the teachers and the people around you want to help you. But if you don't advocate for yourself, they, they're not going right. to know that, you know, so that's really awesome. You learned it at that age and it sounds Correct. like you became yeah. so self-sufficient and yeah, just advocating and researching for yourself that like, yeah, you've just really helped lead you to where you are. So yeah, that's great. Thank you. And that's great advice for any children. I think like that, that for them to feel like they're safe, they can ask the questions, right. And they can ask what they want and what they feel like they deserve or like, you know, it's, it's sometimes they don't teach us that, right. Like right. you're like, have to stay quiet. Like I went to Catholic school and it was completely different. You mm. had to stay quiet. Mm. You have to wait until, the nun talks to you and the professor and everything is so like, you know, you're afraid of the teachers and you're afraid of speaking up. And I grew up like that in school. It was like, I'm a, I was afraid of speaking up for myself or like saying I'm uncomfortable. This is, I don't feel comfortable doing this, you know, or maybe move me to another class, whatever, you know. And then here it's like, you're thrown in a new country, new life. Nobody's here to like help you like yeah. figure it out and, and then you do. So well, see, that's even more impressive that you were able to go from not being that way growing up to so much. So, you know, speaking up for yourself and everything. So that's really cool. I think that shows your character really well. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I think that would bring us probably to that next transition of, um, losing your hearing. So maybe tell us about that, how, how, how that happened and yeah, we'll I mean, what was that. going on in your life at that time and such a scary day. Um, yeah. Um, well, that I was, I had recently moved. I'm trying to like always, I always feel like I forget something, but um, 
it was it was 2017 um i was working i was like in full-time job same job that i'm here now uh, that i am now i work in marketing and advertising for a firm while i also have my my art studio um, i was working there it was a friday and i think i'm always i always go more like i'm a i'm a person who doesn't know how to manage stress very well that's why I, again i have my art and other things to help me keep myself grounded um, so I think I was going through a lot of stress. I think, you know, I just, I feel like everybody's under a lot of stress at certain moments of the month and things like that. But, uh, that was a Friday I woke up and I felt something was odd with my body. Like I didn't know how to explain it. I was having a coffee early in the morning and I told my fiance at that moment that, um, that's my husband now and that I feel very weird. Um, I feel like I, I'm like under a pool, like I cannot hear well, but it's, it's, it, I feel like there's a void in my head. I don't, I, I didn't know how to explain it to him, but, uh, but he said, yeah, but you're communicating with me. So like, are you hearing in one, like in one ear? And I said, yeah, it's like my right ear. It's like, I can't hear anything. And I would do this this sound and I still don't hear it mm-hmm. like and I would do things like this to compare and I'm like yeah I think I'm not hearing anything in my in my right ear not only that I feel very confused like I felt like a brain fog mm-hmm. but you know how sometimes we are we dismiss it I went into the office I went to work and I told a co-worker and she like looked at me like that's not right uh, I think I think you need to go to the hospital like that's not everything you're describing doesn't seem normal Everything is quiet here. I think you should go, go to the hospital and let us know. And that started, you know, a journey that's lasted, you know, like seven years. Um, I went to the hospital, to the ER. The doctor did some tests and he's like, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Um, so I need you to go get a CT scan and I need you to go uh, try to get an uh, audiology to see what you lost. So imagine it's a Friday. Then it's like after lunch, after I went, after I left the ER and it's really hard to get an appointment on a Friday afternoon with a doctor so I'm like trying to like on a top of that I couldn't hear well so I'm trying to like on speakerphone in my car get an appointment or my fiance is also trying to get appointments and I finally get um, an audiologist I said I think this is an emergency so they brought me in into a nearby hospital and when they they put me in the cabin and they're trying to test my right ear, I mean, they tested my good ear, everything was fine. And then they, they said, okay, now we're going to test your right ear. And after that, I didn't hear anything, like no instructions, nothing. And I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. I'm in that oh, wow. like room mm-hmm. alone. And they're like, they touched my shoulder and came to get me and say, no, we already talked to you and you couldn't hear mm. us. So you have severe hearing loss and on in that ear. So it's basically 100% hearing loss. So number one shock, I'm like, oh, but I'm going to get it back, right? And, and they're like, no, we don't We don't know. We need to start doing testing. And then um, that night they gave me, I went to an ENT. They sent me to an ENT and they said, there's two routes. We can give you steroids to try to revive the cells that, you know, we think they're dead in the inner ear. Or we can give you a shot, but the shot is very expensive. It, it has a lot of complications. You can also, you know, damage other parts of the ear. But it could also be very good. It could revive. It could help you, you know. So I always say, and this is good to mention it, if somebody experiences sudden hearing loss, they have 48 to 72 hours to get that shot mm-hmm. in order to get your hearing back. If you don't get it during the, that time frame, your possibility, it's gone. Wow. Like, so... 
I said, okay, they said, you can try the steroids for one day and two. And if it doesn't work, you can come back on Monday and you get the, you're still in time for the, for the steroid shot. So I said, okay, let's try it. And then that weekend was a nightmare for me because it turns out I was reacting to the steroids, like the, the pills, and I started getting hives and I started getting an allergic reaction. So I was freaking out. I called the doctor, said stop taking them. But then Monday, first thing in the morning, you need to be here because that's the only time you have to get that. And the shot was like $5,000. Oh. doesn't cover by the insurance. It's not covered by the insurance. And in total, I had nine shots in oh, a period gosh. of three months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's it's so complicated because a lot of people I talk to, they don't even get the opportunity. People don't tell them that the shot exists or because it's too expensive or it's not covered and they become deaf and they don't have other options. So in my case, I was lucky that by the third shot, you know, and, and this I'm trying to speed up the process. I went into another very high end clinic for the ear and that's where they took my case because it was more complicated. Mm. Um, and by the third shot I started hearing a popping in my ear so the doctor wanted to continue the shots and and in a period of three to four months I got nine injections and recovered about 30 percent of my hearing in the right ear which is nice I can hear a little bit but it's like not so much uh, but that also helped me with other things that could have happened like um, I have tinnitus I have ringing in the ear and it was extremely horrible mm. at the beginning like it's hearing like an ambulance siren mm. in your wow. ear 24 7 um i would cry every day mm. i couldn't go to bed i couldn't sleep and then the problem is when you don't sleep and you're sleep deprived the, the volume of that siren goes up oh and up and up so it's like a circle it's a virtual circle because you can't sleep because of the sound in your ear but then if you don't sleep the sound goes up and up and up and it's it's health you yeah. know it's not Nobody can live like that, you know, and for months, I, you know, had to leave my job. I had to stop working. I couldn't do anything. And then um, the the second or third day I started getting the injections, I started getting vertigo attacks, very violent vertigo attacks. So I would, my day would go like this. I would wake up, open my eyes and immediately would get a vertigo attack. Mm -hmm. Like everything was spinning around me. Then I would like fall from bed because I don't, I didn't have balance. So I was homebound for months. Like after I had to leave my job, I couldn't do anything without help. I had to shower, like my fiance had to help me. I had to even to like go brush my teeth. I couldn't stand. So I had to come all the time, grab on something, furniture. Um, I was dealing with the ringing in the ear, which was very severe. And literally I was going crazy yeah, at that time. It was, wow. it was very... Um, and, and nobody in my family has hearing. I mean, at, at that moment, they didn't have any hearing issues or hearing problems. So everybody was t telling me, like, is this something that you did? Did you go to a concert? Like, what Like what happened? Like, you were normal two days ago when I saw you. And then you're, like, thinking and going back, like, did I do something to harm my hearing? Did I, is, is, it, is it my fault? Did I eat something? Did I take a medication that I couldn't, you know, take? And then you start like trying to recount and, you know, they don't give you a lot of answers um, because the ear is very complicated. Um, in order to open and see the inner ear, they would have to open your skull oh, under wow. your eye, which is where the inner ear sits. Mm -hmm. And so there's not really a, and they cannot do that, you know, mm -hmm. so they have to just do x-rays and MRIs and CT scans. And surprisingly, a lot of the times they come back normal. Mm -hmm. So 
there's no it's like so it's probably not worth doing yeah it's like yeah it's just there yeah. and then you go to forums because i started joining groups on facebook of people who have sensory neural hearing loss and i started asking questions and the story was the same for everybody hmm. i went i got my ct scans i got my mris everything's normal so it's like we are misunderstood we don't know like certain doctors that are they're specialized in these they give you a diagnosis by exclusion so like they start asking you questions and if you have all these symptoms you have this syndrome or if you don't have this you don't have that so like that's how i got diagnosed with meniere's disease because meniere's disease is a condition of the inner ear that affects balance and hearing and you have to have at least two vertigo attacks in the first period, you know, when you when you lose your hearing and then tinnitus, the ringing in the ear. Um, so all these conditions and the sudden hearing loss, you know, kind of like, okay, the, all this is called Meniere's syndrome. But Meniere's syndrome doesn't have a cure. And it's, uh, today, people have, I, I mean, I've been lucky that only I had severe vertigo attacks for the first couple of years, but I've known people through, you know, online and through groups that they have been living like this for 10, 20 years mm-hmm. and no remission. I'm, I'm under what is called a remission where I experience nausea, dizziness every day, but I don't have the, the violent vertigo attacks where I drop to the floor, which is what I had for the first year. Um, so I can, quote unquote, live a normal life. I can go and, you know, drive and things like that. But uh, a lot of people can't. And it's still not recognized as a disability even though a lot of people can't do anything, drive or go about their days or work, which is very confusing, right? Like, because um, unless you, like, there's a lot of stigmas with disability. Like, if you're not in a wheelchair, you don't have a cast, like, you're not showing, obviously, that you're disabled. And this is what is called an invisible condition. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's it's something that you don't know that you, that the other people have, but they're experiencing. Right. Yeah, and I, that does make sense because... Um, it would be easier to explain things if you had something that said, oh, I mean, even like a hearing aid or something that showed that something was different, but yes, yeah, that would be, yeah. It, it's a very misunderstood condition and there's many, so this is what it's called a vestibular condition uh, of the, so vestibular means uh, related to the ear, related to balance. So when we say we have a vestibular condition, it could be a vestibular migraine or um, BPPV. I had, I w- I've been diagnosed with about mm-hmm. five to wow. six vestibular conditions. Um, one of them was uh, BPPV. It's it's a very long name. Let me see if I can say it. Benign parox- paroxysmal uh, <laughs> BPPV. Yeah, well, anyways, it's a positional. It's it's when you move your head and the crystals in the inner ear. There's some little rocks and crystals that tell you if you're standing or you're sitting or you're, you know, it's kind of your level, you know, like you, like it tells your brain if you're standing up or if you're laying down and things like that. When those little stones go out of the inner ear, your brain doesn't know what you're doing. You're out of whack. Like it's, it, it could think that you're up, but you're sitting down or laying down. So uh, BPPV usually happens when those crystals are out of the bed. So that was different from wow. an ear. So I was having the two of them at the same time. And BPPVs, um, I started recognizing it because when I would turn to Felipe um, to the side, to the right side where my ear was compromised, um, I would start getting, um, my eyes would start flipping. Like you you start getting this condition called nystagmus, that your eyes start kind of going like this. Like if you had like an epilepsy attack, but it's not. 
and and that's that because the brain can connect like the ear with the brain and the eyes are in, in also in the middle so it's very scary mm-hmm. for the person who's looking at you and then you start seeing like spinning everything around you like it's everything's like almost like if everything was falling on top of you and it lasts about one minute so they ask you to keep a diary and see like for how long because depending on how long it lasts it's a wow. different vestibular condition Gosh. so on top of that you're stressed you have to kind of keep up with your symptoms so i started writing yeah. everything down in my iphone to make sure that i could remember every time i could go to the appointment and that those notes gave birth oh, to my wow. blog because i started putting myself out there and asking questions on instagram and online and there was a point where I started working with the Hearing Health Foundation as a, as an ad, you know an advocate for what they do, and VIDA, which is a vestibular dis, uh, vestibular disorders association. And it's funny because those notes came in handy uh, to actually write my story and remember the pattern of my symptoms. And this was helpful for me. And I recommend that if anyone is listening and you're experiencing something similar, it's so overwhelming to to have a chronic condition. And to keep up with when you get a migraine, how many days it lasted, when did you lose your hearing, what are you experiencing, in which days and, you know, times of the month. For Mm -hmm. women, it has to do a lot with your hormones. So, like, I have to write down, like, oh, yeah, it's it's getting worse Mm -hmm. around my period and things like that because it gets worse. And and then I discover a whole forum about women with ringing in the ear that they talk about this. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not alone. This is a thing, you know. Like you must be super nauseous when that happens if you're dizzy. Yeah, I'm like nauseous. Yeah, my mom had some like, yeah, had vertigo and had issues with the crystals in her ears that they weren't in alignment. And I just remember her just feeling, I mean, awful. And I felt so. I mean, she looked like, yeah, just nauseous and couldn't get up and and so debilitating because you can't do anything you want to do if you feel like that. Yeah, and I. And you and yeah. you feel scared too, like to get up or get like start grabbing onto things. Like, mm-hmm. am I gonna fall? Am I gonna? Oh yeah, I was this? thinking about when you were saying that with the crystals in the ear and all this, like how intricate and our bodies are, and and like how something little just gets thrown off, how it can just be like wreck havoc on your whole body. I mean, it's amazing that more people aren't experiencing that, but then that it does happen is just so sad and so frustrating. I'm sure like there's like you were saying, there's not much you can do. So, right. and even just going back. So they have no idea exactly. why this happened. There's, there's no answers, there's like, no answers. Exactly. It just happens. That is that the case? Like they don't know. Yeah. And, and the more I talk to people though, the more I realize there's a lot of more people mm-hmm. than I thought that they're experiencing conditions like this. Um, so every time sometimes somebody says like, oh, social media is not good. Social media is addictive. Yes, but we have all those issues with social media. But I'm incredibly help, uh, grateful to social media because I found uh, yeah. patients like me online that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to access or talk to or get advice or kind of like a yeah. shoulder to cry on. And some days like we kind of do that for each other. Like the three days ago, I had one of my worst migraines and nothing would you know, relieve it, like my medications, all that. And I posted it. And because also has to do with the weather in Miami, we're experiencing very intense Mm -hmm. rains. And when the pressure is low, we many patients, we tend to have like ear pressure and head pressure. And I just put it out there because I was kind of like venting. And I got tons of messages from people around the world, like people who like were researching the hashtag or whatever, and or they follow 
my journey and they were like oh you know i'm on the same and i'm in switzerland but it's also mm. non-stop rain and i feel the pressure and we're in this together and i know people sometimes don't understand because we could look normal and we could like try to live a normal life like we're we're not in bed the whole day and they still don't believe us because it's like but you're functioning like you're working you're doing the things and it's like yeah but it's it's like my head it's it's compressed with so much pressure that sometimes I cannot even talk. Like some days I'm clear, some days I'm not clear at all and I cannot even speak. So I'm thankful yeah. that today is a good oh, day yeah. to do this podcast yeah. because, you know, some days I just can't even like do it. It's so hard to not knowing, to, you know, day to day how you were going to feel. You know, I have these plans. This is what I'm yes. going to do. Oh, I can't today because. Yeah. Like planning your life out. And that'd be hard. Yeah. So I have a big thing, uh, a big page on my in my journal that says "Cancel plans are a, a real yeah. thing these days." Um, I like I my tr- I always say that my true friendships I knew them during this time because some people didn't understand. Like we we you know let's do coffee on Friday and I kept canceling and canceling and canceling and I don't even know what to say anymore. It's like, hey, you know, mm. I, I'm just not feeling well. Oh, but is it just a headache? Let's try so that you can get out of the house and it's going to make you feel better. I'm like, I cannot even get out of it. Like, I cannot even lift my head from my pillow. It's that severe, you know? And then I, you always have those friends that are always there for you and they don't, they don't demand anything from you. Like, I have this couple of friends counted with, you know, my hand, my fingers that they're, they're always there that you can feel their love and, and they never, they never put pressure on when we're going to see each other again or like you do your thing. You let us know we're here for you. Um, whenever you, you have that, you feel like strong enough to go and do something. I'm now I do more like I'm now I'm do all the things, but in that time they were like, no pressure at all. We're here for you. And, and I value that because I felt a lot of pressure from other people to be normal and functioning in family situations and, you know, a wedding. And I, and I, sometimes I couldn't attend. I'm like, I can't be there. I, I just can't be surrounded by sound. And, oh, and, and another condition I wanted to mention, I experienced a condition called hyperacusis, which is pretty much like being Spider-Man, like every, like your oh. senses are heightened. So I, on top of that, I couldn't hear in what, in that ear, it's, it's such a weird concept. Like you can't hear but because you don't have sound coming into the ear. Um, the brain replaces it with that mm. siren which is it's like kind of like replacing the sound that you kind of hear but then you can also develop a condition called hyperacusis where sounds are heightened even though you don't hear them hear them you feel pain because they're a high frequency so i was experiencing actual pain in my inner ears both actually and i couldn't be around my fiance like he if he moved something in the kitchen where he was doing the the dishes or something i start crying because i felt like somebody mm. was drilling my ears so for a for like a few like i think like four months i basically lived in my closet like when he was doing shorts around the house i would we padded my closet with towels and more stuff and i was wearing these high you know very canceling like noise canceling but medical you know um headphones but on top of that I would wear a towel around my head and it still could perceive some of the frequencies and the sound and it was painful like you I could not like do things I could not move a glass from the desk I could not text and hear the sound of texting so these conditions are like 
kind of like sci-fi. It's like hard to believe this exists. And I was going somewhere with this and I lost my train of thought. But what I was saying is like sometimes like living your normal life, like even though people think like, well, you can't hear. It's not just the hearing, it's the sensitivity to sound. So for me, attending social functions and also being an artist and being having to go to an art exhibit oh, is yeah. draining for my brain. Still is. So it's like I want to be there and I want to meet new people and I want to just show my work. But also in the background, I'm feeling how like tomorrow I'm going to feel terrible. Tomorrow I'm going to probably have a migraine. I'm going to wake up like throwing up. Like this is this. It's like living a good thing, but knowing that the next day you're going to wake up completely destroyed. And and it's like gambling, like, 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 okay, like, let me not do a lot of things this week. So when I get to that function, that so- social function, my brain is not so mushed and not so in a bad condition that I can probably survive the next day and get away with not being in pain or migraines. Yeah. So it's negotiating with your body yeah, the yeah. whole time. And it's exhausting. Oh, I yeah, I didn't actually realize how, <clears throat> like, all the parts of this, the moving parts of all yeah. the things, it's not just hearing loss, like you're saying. It's just, just not all here. of these different things mm-hmm. that can, man, it would try drive you mad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could just. <laughs> I know it's. Sorry no, I'm the... glad you explained No, me I mean, we, yeah, this is so interesting. And then it does make me, you know, think, wow, there's probably people we have no idea that deal with this. Yeah. Well, and it makes me feel, I just feel like it's good to hear stories like this because it builds empathy because it's like we have a friend, Katie. I was thinking about yeah. Katie Corona in our neighborhood who she has POTS syndrome. I don't know. If you're familiar with that, but I feel like some of the things that you're saying reminds me of what, Mm -hmm. and just hearing like you explain this. And I know there's a lot of people now that are getting diagnosed with POTS. And so hearing it firsthand from someone like you can help us understand others that we know in our lives that like, like you're saying, you have friends out there that are supportive, but they may just not just them understanding a little bit more of what you're actually going through, I think is so helpful. Yeah. Yeah, Like with our friend, it's, it's very similar to like, she has to kind of choose. I only have this much energy for today. Because a lot of it is like kind of a high pressure, low pressure with their spinal fluid. So knowing I can't be up for so long. So yeah, my daughter's going to be singing. I'm going to save all my energy to go watch her sing or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. She has to plan it out. Yeah. And then she, it sounds like then she does pay for it sometimes Mm -hmm. when she, so it's roommate. Yeah. It's similar to that, but she's like you, like she's so strong and she's, I'm so yeah, She runs a business from her bed and she's yeah. like written books. And I know. Like, I know. Man, you do We're going to have to talk to her sometime too, but yeah, yeah. I. Yes. And, and it would be lovely that she understands that she knows that you understand in that capacity because she would feel so mm-hmm. relieved. Like she'll feel like, Oh my God, I don't even need to explain myself. Like, even if you see me normal, mm-hmm. like looking normal and dressed up in a, in a social maybe know that the next few days I'm like out of commission and it's not anything. It's not like, cause some people judge right. some people. I, I, I remember when I finally ventured to go back again to a normal setting. Like a lot of times I have a normal, beautiful day and I'm super active and chatty and people are like, Oh my God, look at her. And the next day it's like, I'm calling in sick because I'm literally feel like they're stabbing me in the brain and the pain is so bad that I cannot lift my head from the bed. And I've heard some comments sometimes, not like in situations where like, but is it really that severe? Like you were fine yesterday. Like I said, is it just a head? Like, are you should you take an Advil? And they start like giving you all this. And it's like, you don't even know where to yeah. start. <laughs> it's like, uh, 
I don't. I wish. I, I I always tell them. I wish I could trade with you a good day, like a bad day of mine, with a good day, yeah, so you understand like difference. how it feels and how random yeah. it could be. Like it's not something I oh, want to yeah. leave. Yeah. So are there um, remedies or medications or how do you manage it or can you or is it not manageable? I I, I still feel mm-hmm. I'm learning mm-hmm. to manage. That's the right answer. I I. I still cannot understand 100% my patterns. I feel like when I stand, I'm starting to understand them, something out of what happens. And it's like, I think I did all the right things. And how did this happen? Meaning like, I, I know like certain things, like when I'm flying and I'm in an airplane, there's like a routine that I practice that the doctor gave me. Like I need, I also have allergies. So I need to decompress my, my, my nose with Afrin and with like, maybe like doing, um, like an pod the night before to clean my sinuses and the, because the sinuses are connected with the ear and the cavity it's you know I have um eustachian tube dysfunction meaning like the 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 tube is very narrow that it get the pressure it's so high you feel it so much so like if you're flying you need to do all these things before like a couple of days before to kind of like help you but also when the weather is very, you know, like it's rainy and things like that, I know I'm going to get a migraine. I mean, I know I'm going to get dizzier. And so I have to like sleep more if I can I go to bed earlier, try to like do like um, vapor showers, hot showers to decompress. But those are very, I mean, sometimes they work great, but sometimes you're going through deadlines, stressful time, family situations, everything piles up and the triggers come together too close and boom, you have an attack and you can't control that. And then that's life. But um, last year I was in bed for nine days in a row. I thought I had what you just mentioned about your friend Mm -hmm. uh, with the the Mm -hmm. CFF fluid. Like I thought I had it because I had all the symptoms. I could not, it it was, it's, it's weird to explain. I, I could not lift half of an inch of my head from the bed because I thought I was going to pass out and the pain was so excruciating that I even told my husband like don't even try to get me up to go to the hospital like if they have to they need to come mm-hmm. here I cannot mm-hmm. get up like, I, can't. I had to like I don't even know how I went to use the bathroom those days I don't even recall I was like in painkillers and like and then like from one day to the other after taking some you know more more I get stronger painkillers it went away and now I'm scared every time I start feeling the migraine coming I'm like oh my god not again like I'm terrified I'm terrified and I stop everything I'm doing that day and I cancel everything like it's 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 a weird way to live your life but also I also feel it doesn't stop me from doing the things like I'm continuing to paint and work on on commission projects for like very exciting projects I'm just recently signed with a gallery they understand because they even told me we follow you and we know your journey so I feel like you have to be open to talk like I had this condition there's certain deadlines I cannot hit I can work with you only if we have open communication and I can tell you what I can do what I cannot do and and I know myself what I can do and what I cannot do and instead of lying to yourself and be like yes I can do it and Sure, and then be yeah. in the hospital the week later because right. you couldn't yeah. handle it. And I think that's why we we need to learn like how to be. And and I'm still learning. I'm like not perfect at all. I haven't learned all the things. Like people sometimes reach out like, "How do you even paint? How do you look down with your dizziness?" And you're, I'm like, I just 
scan my body and see how I'm that day. And if I'm overdoing it, I wear a neck collar. A lot of the times when I'm in a studio, I work on a collar because I have also herniated discs in my neck. So top of that. to add one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> to add one more thing. And yeah, like fam- my family, some of them think that I'm a hypochondriac. They tell me, Nicole, are you sure? I'm like, right. yeah. the x-ray. <laughs> Here's the scan. They're like, no, I know. It's just like too young to talk about chronic pain like that. Like, I, they, they wish I was in a better yeah, sure. place, yeah. you know, in a, but I'm like, look, I'm sure I'm not the worst case. I know a lot of people who are like even worse. And when I see that, I thank God. And I say, I'm, I'm glad that I'm here. And I embrace every good day or every time I get out of a, an attack. I'm like, I'm so grateful. Like this is over and I move on and, yeah. and I yeah. continue. Well, maybe yeah. This is a good spot to read your creative statement yeah, and then talk about all these things that have happened to you, how you turn that into this. Yeah, advocacy and your art and the other things that you do to kind of help other people in your situation. Right. Um, Do you want to read it? Sure. Okay. So this is Nicole's creative statement she sent us. My work explores the relationship between sound and life, an invitation to consider how we make sense of our surroundings through what we can hear. When my partner, a songwriter, sound engineer, and music producer used his recording equipment to display the sound waves and frequencies I could no longer hear, I was immediately inspired to illustrate and capture sound visually. My paintings are a window to a calm and joyful place. With them, I aim to provide a safe space for vestibular patients who are still learning how to cope with the debilitating symptoms that invisible disabilities bring. Coping with tinnitus and hyperacusis, is that how you say that? (laughs) Hyperacusis. Okay, hyperacusis. Hyperacusis. Okay, thanks. Has been incredibly challenging, but also a blessing in disguise. Developing my latest art collections has been incredibly therapeutic and rewarding. It has also served as an opportunity to connect and bring hope to others who, like me, are learning to live with hearing and balance disorders. Art has been and still is my refuge, a safe place to breathe deeply and be free. I love that. I loved how you described that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, we can, you can expand on that a little bit. Um, it sounds yeah. like, so did that kind of start with your, your partner? And I, and also I love to hear just a little bit more about, sounds like he's been an amazing support to you through this. Yes. He's the best. Thank you for mentioning yeah. that because yes, shout out to Felipe <laughs> for being there for me. Um, actually when this happened to me, we were just starting today oh, wow. and he was there with me like no one has been there before for me and that was like the i mean i I couldn't even believe he was so amazing and he was so understanding and he said like even if we have to move to another country to treat you we'll go i'll I'll be with you all the way like don't because i I felt like a burden Mm -hmm. like for him for for so long uh we were just starting to like date and go to concerts and things and then i and then I'm sick. Yeah. And then it's like, what a downer, you know, like we're starting, we're young, we're starting to like, you know, think of traveling together and things like that. And for like one or two years, everything was on pause. Like, like he couldn't even see his friends sometimes or he, I mean, imagine he plays the guitar. He has all these instruments at home. He couldn't do any sound. Oh, wow. He couldn't, he basically stopped doing, I mean, the things, unless he went to a, an outside studio and did it, but like he put his life on pause as well while he was also working while I couldn't work so it was I felt guilty most of the time like you know what a burden and this happens to a lot of people who have chronic pain Mm -hmm. you feel like a burden to the family 
a, pre a constant preoccupation. So mentally, it really affects you more than even physically. You start like feeling awful. Like, when am I going to get out of this? Will I ever get out of this moment in my life? So he was a great support and he was always with me in every appointment. And I remember, obviously, I couldn't paint. I couldn't even look down I, without like feeling extremely dizzy and nauseous. So like art or painting was out of the questions uh, those first months. So one day he was with me at one of the audiologists and he was listening carefully to the whole thing, like talking about how I lost the ability to um, listen to high frequencies. So I don't hear the S or the Z certain sounds I don't hear them um and and he was telling me like look so so then like he kind of took over the the equipment like with the audiologist and they started talking about sound and he was telling me look remember when I do this note and you know it's very high frequency and you didn't like it so much I think it's because it was a, it was a hint that you weren't like your ear wasn't liking mm -hmm. that high pitch and this and then he started showing me on you know the equalizer and I start seeing all these sound waves and movement and I'm like how can I tell this in a in a way that I can tell my story because I'm going through a very challenging time and I'm writing on my journals, but what I do is art, what I do is paint. So I started doing it for myself. But one day, carefully, it was a very early Sunday morning, I couldn't sleep. And I went into my other uh, room where I have, I mean, at that time we were living in an apartment and I had my studio in one of the rooms. And I just took a lot of paint, uh, paper out and a big canvas and I started like playing with splash paint and directing the paint with a spatula, with a clay spatula um, in a way that was easy for me. So I was on the floor holding, grabbing on the canvas, like grounded and pushing paint like with water, like in a watercolor and started kind of playing with that, with the water. It was very soothing and I was kind of replicating those sound waves that I was seeing. As as you see, kind of in the, I mean, in the painting in the back, it's kind of like a very first layer. It's it's not finished, but I was playing a lot with that. And it was very relaxing for me. And also I try to like tell the story. Like then I started painting on paper and other things. And long story short, in a period of three months, I did over 60 paintings, wow. paper and canvas. And that year, 2017, someone reached out to me from a, from a hotel here, the JW Merritt in, in downtown. They had seen my work. They liked the story and they wanted to show it and on December on show. Oh, wow. And they wanted to tell the story. And that gave me even more of a fire to wake up every morning and say, like, I want to do this. I want to start telling my story. Because at that point, I was open about it on Instagram and Facebook, but not like a lot. And then I just said, like, this is my purpose. I know there's an intention behind this, just not for me to relax and be here in a room in a in a box and do this for myself. I want to do this for others. I want to talk about it. Um, and then eventually the next year, I even did workshops um, at uh, West Elm. I started like partnering with with companies and like because it was an escape for me. I wasn't working quote-unquote at that time I was doing it for me and to tell the world what's happening with me and express myself and and tell them like I feel frustrated I don't know how to manage these these emotions and I'm trying to pour myself into my studio my art to like do it in a in a healthy way and then that's how it started and then I started talking to Philippe about like names for the paintings and they all have to do with like frequencies and sound and movement and and how like sound navigates and in the air, like my paint navigates in the water. And that's how, you know, I express it. I, I use a lot of fluid mediums, um, watercolor, 
ink and I, ex I use a lot of expansion, large canvases to move around and, and I changed the way I painted. I used to paint standing on an easel, but that I was so tired and I would get dizzy and fall. So I said, this is a perfect time for me to explore abstract in a more serious way, um, you know, as a career for an artist. And I started doing all these big like, kind of replications of sound frequencies in a bigger um, bigger canvases, bigger surfaces. And that's how the Colors of Sound, my first collection, was born. And then after that, I teamed up with the Hearing Health Foundation in New York. And I was, um, since then, uh, I've been helping them. But the first year, I was a voice for them in years campaign because it was very misunderstood. And, you know, with the paintings and with uh, my stories, they started kind of like reaching out to more younger people because people think that ear problems only happen to seniors. And they didn't, you know, it's like they didn't, they, they said like, we always get these questions like, why did this happen to me? I'm 17, I'm 15. Or why did suddenly I was hearing and now I can't hear and the people could not understand that. And it's not, it's not just a, a matter of like you were at a, at a concert and you exposed yourself to a loud, like a loud sound or a speaker and you lost your hearing. It's It could be a neurological condition. It could be an autotoxic condition, meaning that you took a medication that was harmful for the ear and you lost your hearing. So there's so many things. And I'm so glad that I got a chance to talk to people my age and even younger and, and explain maybe like connect the dots like what happened to you in your, in that period of your life was it stress related was it genetics did someone in your family had something like this um and yeah it's it's been like an exploration and an adventure and i know it sounds weird that it sounds an adventure it sounds like fun but it's not yeah. it, i don't even know how my life would have been without this i feel like this is my purpose yeah. like this is something that i I feel fulfilled being able to to create around a topic that is difficult, but that I can turn something that was very scary into a beautiful, something for you to look at that is beautiful, that gives you hope. Yeah. yeah. And that puts your it. mind, you know, like I try to do calming soundscapes. I call them soundscapes because it's my scape into that calm you know place where i go to to relax and and quiet the siren that i have in my ear every single day yeah yeah well and i love it's also it's putting that beautiful painting out there but it's also helping others understand you know and raising the awareness like you're doing both it's therapeutic for you it's connecting for others and in the community so it feels like it fills a lot of purposes yes correct <laughs> that's yeah. how i see it that's so cool and what like it seems so like so interesting that your husband is into music and those yeah. kind of sound waves. And then you have this hearing thing and your art and how it kind of came together is, is just really cool. Like, yeah. And he's an artist in a way and you're an artist and mm -hmm. yeah, that's really, yeah. Neat. And it's so weird that he has to do with sound, right? Like I always tell him yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that these happen. Yeah. When we started dating and it's yeah. like, Oh, you certainly what didn't like my music that your ear we joked around. Like <laughs> your ear didn't yeah, put up yeah. like I guess. No. He's a fantastic songwriter and he's actually working on an album. He plays all the instruments. Oh, Nobody awesome. knows this, like you know, like he's working on an album and I am there with him. Listen, so like we have to negotiate. Sometimes I'm not having a good ear day and I'll tell him today I can't listen to but maybe we'll try tomorrow. But like He's, he asks me for advice and opinions about the melodies and the sound. And I tell him from my perspective, like, 
I think like I, I would like to listen to something like that, like it's soothing for me or this is my so it's it's a it's an interesting combination of two people who like I have hearing problems but he's uh I love what he creates so it's I'm glad that I'm even in a point where it's not hurtful anymore, that I can listen to sound without the pain. Yeah. I have it's bothersome, but it's not like it was the first two years that I couldn't even listen to anything. So that in itself, it's a blessing that I get to hear what yeah. he's putting together as an art form uh, through music, through sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's cool. It yeah. sounds like it should be a movie, your story. I know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's really Just neat. Just with your husband and his music and your art. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. that's really Thanks. cool. <laughs> write a book or something. Yeah. <laughs> I told him I need to I need to be in, in one of your songs singing in the back because we need to tell the story oh, from yeah. your side, you know, of things. He's like, no, no, yes. no, you, you'll be involved. Either you do the album cover or you're being my one of... Like, I feel like we're both artists, you know. We, we embrace all art forms, so this happened but it's just something that happened that doesn't stop him for creating his art form and that just fuels me more to create a visually yeah uh, interpret yeah, yeah definitely yeah that's just that i don't know that's just a really cool story and i am yeah i'm glad you had him through all of that yeah he stuck with you and helped Thank you because that is be hard to be alone in that and be hard um yeah. and then you know back to sharing your story and then having all these people reach out that can really empathize because they've had it happen to them yes. or to feel like they're not alone either. Like, Oh, she feels just like I did. Or, you know, it's just, yeah. it's important. I, I don't know how I, I would have done it without him actually. Like he's so wise. Yeah. Also he's, um, everything he says to me is like calming and he always puts everything in perspective. It makes me feel relaxed. Like when I was overwhelmed, like he would always bring me back to that place. Like, Hey, we're okay. We're together you're okay, you're going to be fine, there's science, there's, you have access to all the, like, he would always give me that sense of peace, so I don't even know, like, I know it sounds like, well, you know, sometimes you could be there for yourself, but, but yes, in this case, I needed that support, because I couldn't even balance myself, I couldn't even stand up, and just having that, so I, I guess my major purpose is to be open about it because if people are not searching for help or they're not looking for the right tools to manage their life in a normal because they're afraid or they don't want to say some people are afraid to even say they have hearing loss at work because they think they're going to lose their jobs um and so many things and and i just want to tell them you know more and more that i talk to people it's 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 becoming more normal it's it's getting we're normalizing it by speaking about it like everything like before people didn't know what Alzheimer was until it became a word like it's it people know what it is many years there's still a lot of people have no idea what many years is so my purpose is to normalize it so more people donate to these causes and they can actually find a cure because right now there's not a cure so a lot of research needs to be mm-hmm. done and that obviously requires funds and speaks per- like people and celebrities talking about it and now more celebrities when many years are talking about it and I would, my dream is I would love to see a cure in my lifetime and see people getting better and, and living their normal lives, you know, not when they're older, but, you know, enjoying their kids and their grandkids and not, not miss important events of their lives. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I think it's cool because I feel like art is so connecting to so many people. And so I feel like th- what you're doing is awesome and it's not 
just many areas. I feel like people, everyone knows someone that has some kind of chronic illness. And so mm-hmm. even if they don't know someone that has Meniere's and like vestibular issues, they can relate that to other people in their life that, and again, just raising the awareness and understanding is so important. And anyway, so I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving me a, a platform to share my story because the more, yeah. the more we understand that, you know, the better. So thank you for what you're doing. Not yeah. just this story, everything that I've been learning with your stories makes me also feel validated that other people are going through very challenging times and makes us kinder because it's like, oh, well, it's not just me. It's so many people going, everybody goes through difficult times and it's hearing how they got out of it that makes me feel like, yeah, I can do this. I can do it too. Yeah. yeah. How they still find the meaning and beauty. Yeah. It's so helpful. I love hearing people's stories. We have, yeah, we feel so yeah lucky yeah. to yeah, have all do. these guests. Totally, and yeah. learn so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing, and we yeah. love talking to you. And at the end, we always ask, "How do you find beauty in life after going through this transition?" The way I find it is every morning, and I'm able to get out of bed and go for a walk and look at the window and see the sun and it's a new opportunity as cheesy as it sounds but like me getting out of bed and hearing the sound and the birds and things that for me it's a blessing and and I feel like all of us need to embrace our talents because we got a talent for a for a reason like if mine is painting some people it's communicating but I find it in the small things. I find beauty in the very tiny things that people take for granted like you know and an opportunity to see, you know, to go for a long walk with my dog and experience like the sounds. We go to a lake and I hear the birds and it's like, wow, like maybe there was a moment in my life that this wasn't even an option for me to hear and I'm still hearing it. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I also feel like when you said that, like maybe also a moment in your life where you didn't realize what a blessing those little things were too. So that's one cool thing I find with our guests is it also gives you perspective. Sometimes going through hard things makes you actually appreciate the little things more yeah so i'm fighting for yourself before i used to be like i mean i say yes to a lot of like things that because i want to do so many things i'm i I was in bed for so long that i want to like get out there and do but also it teaches you to say no when it's like no i i can't do it it's not gonna be something good for me i appreciate you inviting me to this thing or, or whatever but i I don't think I can do it and it's fine and not feeling guilty by saying no like people should understand mm-hmm. that you have some things that you cannot do and that you prefer not to for your own health and your wellness so I feel like we talk a lot about being out there and saying yes to things but it's also saying no because when you say no you're saying yes to yourself and to your wellness and your mental health yeah and that's so important yeah I love that message that's really important yeah awesome well thanks Nicole yeah well let's share the way that people um can get in touch with you all these papers yes sorry we're shuffling through here lots of information for me from me yes all right so you can find Nicole and her latest works at uh, nicolecure.com and that's Nicole with two l's and then you can connect with her on instagram at nicolecure underscore art and you know, if you're listening and want to connect with her and see her art, it's super just beautiful. I mean, I'm looking at the painting behind you the whole time and being like, I really want that in my house. I gotta, (laughs) anyway, it's beautiful. But, um, so so go to the show notes here, (laughs) go to the show notes here and link over to her. She's a great, um, account to follow for the art. And also, you know, just like we've been talking about this whole time, just understanding with 
chronic illness and things and ways that you can get involved to help. And then her blog is nicolecure.com slash hearing dash health dot blog. But I'm assuming they could link to that through your main um, website as well. So I hope it's helpful for at least one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Say. Yep, if it just yep. helps one person in the moment, then that's that's, that's a definitely. great advantage. And thank that's you for what you're doing, guys. This is amazing what you're taking on oh, and every thanks. story that you're sharing with us. It's amazing. Thank you. Well, oh, thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Okay. All, All right. right. Thanks, Nicole. Yes, thanks. Okay. See ya. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. Find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own I feel the strength